Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of the Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. We've got a fantastic episode for you today. Today is actually our 50th episode of the Going Long Podcast. So if you've been with us all the way through from start to finish, thank you very much. I truly appreciate it. If you've hopped on along the way, maybe bring some friends along with you for the uh, the next 50 and going on into the future. So we've got uh, to celebrate the occasion. We've got Joey Harrington coming on with us to break down uh, the Utah game and basically what we've seen from Oregon uh, over the first eight games of the year. We're going to talk a little bit about Bo Nix and the Heisman race, kind of get some of Joey's experience from being a Heisman candidate himself back in his career. We're also going to look at the uh, college football playoff rankings that come out tonight on Tuesday after I record this. So, um, this is actually going to be a, a two episode week. I've got another one coming out tomorrow afternoon or maybe Thursday morning, depending on when I edit this. But um, I'll be talking more about the college football playoff rankings tomorrow with a special guest as well. So with all that being said, thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. I am thrilled to be joined by Joey Harrington. Once again, you all know him. You all love him. He does not need any introduction to all of you Oregon fans. Joey, how are you today? Me? Never been better. Fantastic. Incredible. Spectacular. That's awesome. awesome to hear. So we don't have a ton of time with you today, but I just want to want to hop right in. Um, I want to start with just this general question. At this point in the season, based on what we've seen from the Ducks so far, do you feel better about this team than you did in the preseason? Do you feel worse about the team than in the preseason? Are they, have they about met your expectations? What's your general sense? Because after the Utah game, that's when I finally started to feel like, okay, this team is exceeding my expectations a little bit. Just not the fact that they're winning, but the fact that they're winning the way that they are. Um, so I finally started to feel now that they're starting to play a little bit better than I expected them to. What's your sense so far? Um, I, I think I'm... I'm... I think that's a fair way to put it. Um, You know, I think they were meeting my expectations up until this week, right? I mean, at the start of the season, I think we talked and I said, there's two games that are going to be, are going to be tough ones, Washington and and Utah. And I didn't expect to get out of both of them alive, right? I I thought this was an 11 win team um, with one of those games, fallen by the wayside, right? Which is exactly what it was coming into this game. The way they played on Saturday, um, look, I I don't think anybody could have, and frankly, I don't think anybody in their their right mind predicted, you know, the the score of that Utah game. I mean, there are plenty of people, myself included, that thought Oregon would win, um, in a close in a close game, right? Giving credit to Utah's defense, acknowledging the fact that Utah was on their, you know, what third, fourth, eleventh quarterback, and you know seventh tailback, and injuries all over the defensive side of the ball, and acknowledging how great Kyle Whittingham is as a head coach. Um, you know, thought it could be a, a 24-20 type of ball game. Nobody saw thirty-five to six, and so I think the thing that has me really, um, I won't say intrigued, but, and I hesitate to use 
too strong of a word at this point because we still have all of November left. Mm-hmm. Like let's let's be honest yep. and and absolutely it, it's it's still going to be a very tough road. But this defense is playing absolutely tremendous. I mean they they mm-hmm. are. I think this defense is exceeding everybody's expectations. Um, top ten nationally, you know, given up under. I, I haven't looked since the Utah game, but let's call it two touchdowns a game. I mean, this this mm-hmm. defense to go from where they were last year to where they are right now is just a, um, in a I won't say an, a pleasant surprise, but I think is is the is the part that has me feeling like they are exceeding expectations and truly can be a special football team at the end of the year. I think that's that's pretty accurate. That was actually going to be my next question is I had written down what has impressed you the most, but we'll get let's get more specific into the defense because I agree that's been the uh the story of this team so far. We knew that Bo Nix was going to be great. We knew that the offense was going to be humming, but the fact that they have uh, an established pass rush, the fact that they have uh really physical corners that can come in on cornerback blitzes and get uh get sacks, that they've got secondary players that can stuff the run and play on the edge as well as they do. That's what's impressed me the most. But are there specifics in that defense that you've seen where it's like, oh, okay, if they're able to do that, I don't I don't know what the ceiling is for this team. What's kind of made you feel that way, if anything, so far this year? Well, we talked about it when we did a show a few weeks ago that at the, you know at the start of the, the regular season that when you're playing in the Pac-12 against Michael Penix, Cam Rising, DJ Uyunglele, Caleb Williams, you know, like let's just go down the list of of quarterbacks in this conference. You're going to need to get pressure. Right, you're going to have to put pressure on the quarterback, and you're going to have to be able to do it with a four-man rush, right, or you know, a five-man rush, because secondaries simply cannot live forever in this conference. You can't you can't cover downfield for five, six, seven, eight seconds in this conference. The quarterbacks are too good. What Oregon has done so well this year is what was it three weeks ago? they had already met their sack total from the yeah. entire previous season. And, yeah. and, it's, and it wasn't just – it's not just one guy, right? It's not just Brandon mm-hmm. Dorless. It's, it's Dorless. It's Birch. It's Uyunglele. It's Williams. It's, I mean, you go down the list, and it's coming from all different places, right? And so that's that's. I think what they happened. have 16 players. 16 different players on the team have a sack right have now, a sack. to exactly. your point. Yeah. And so that has me really encouraged because Mm -hmm. there are going to be, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be down days. There's going to be teams that scheme somebody, right? Like that's, that's the game of football, but to be able to adjust, to be able to adapt, to be able to still bring pressure from certain, from different areas and get pressure on the quarterback, to be able to do it with a four man rush, to do, do it with a six man pressure. Like there's so much, this defense has shown that they can not just compete, but excel in different um, in different parts, in different ways um, during the game, and, and that's really, I think, the the key for me. You know, th- the secondary has been a huge surprise. Eh, <laughs> I won't say surprise. I did say surprise, but I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> retract. 
Um, I think that when you're coming in with four new starters to, you know, into the, into the season, there are some questions on how it would work out. They've been, it been incredible. And, and I think part of that is, is, is because of the way that the front seven has played. Look, this is just a unit that is mm-hmm. playing really, really well together. Um, and I think that's, you know, when you rely on one guy, when you rely mm-hmm. on a, you know, I'll use the example, when you rely on a Jonah Ellis, right? Leading the mm-hmm. conference in tackles exactly. for loss, leading, leading the conference in sacks. Yes, Utah had has other players that were playing very well, but but he was the, the linchpin of all of that. If you can neutralize that one guy, you saw what Oregon did to Utah's defense. I don't know mm-hmm. that Oregon has that one guy. Right. And I think that that says a lot for how this team can play together down uh, down the stretch of the season. So looking at this team, kind of based on what you what you just said, what you laid about at the defense, and we'll talk more about the offense as well. But to a trained eye like yourself, I mean, you know, football as well as anyone and better than most people. Do you still see I mean, where do you still see the room for improvement? Obviously, you could say that they, you know, they could give up zero points and they can go 100 percent in the red zone and they could punt the ball zero times. But to a trained eye, where are the little places on offense or defense where you think like, OK, they're good here. They could be a little bit better. What what screams out to you when you look at it that way? Boy, you're asking it after their best performance of the year, you know. <laughs> exactly, I know. You know, this, this is why was... I had you on after the Texas Tech game, which was a good time because that was a big win. I'm uh-huh. glad I got you after the Utah game because it's another big win. This is what I want you. Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is a tough question right now because that was as good a ball game as you could have played. Um, and and mm-hmm. you know, you've if you've been listening to Coach Landing, that he said this that is the best game that they have played top to bottom. Um, mm-hmm. You know, God, the, the fourth down stop. Um, keeping Utah to six points. Um, mm-hmm. Man. I mean, it, it stumped you. I kind of love this. Oregon fans should really love this. <laughs> you don't have any room for improvement. This is awesome. I, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> look, there, there's always going to be things that, that the coaching staff and the players look at on film and say, this was our game plan. We didn't execute this way. Um, but if you're looking at it, from a sitting on your couch perspective and the mo- the freshest thing you have in your mind is a 35 to six beat down against a really good Utah team. Um, man, they created turnovers on defense. Um, you know, maybe Troy Franklin doesn't drop a touchdown. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. like, I, I'm trying. I'm, Maybe a few penalties as well. There are a, a few too many penalties once again, but those are all you know, very fixable as well. Yeah, and, and what I will say, if, if we're going on the offensive side of the ball, there was a moment, I don't know whether it was 21-6. It was 21-6. End of the second quarter where Oregon, it seemed like they took their foot off the gas mm-hmm. a little bit. Maybe right, got a little right concerned. Half. Uh-huh. Started mm-hmm. running the football a little bit. Um, couple, I don't know if it was three and outs, but it was definitely four or five and outs. And it was, it was, you know, it felt like they kind of started to almost get into a game management type of situation. Um, Mm -hmm. and had a, had a momentary, I don't want to say lapse, but had trouble breaking out of that. Like it's, it's tough when you, when you downshift to be able to get back into that gear where you were. Um, and so. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be able to do that against USC. You're not. I mean, SC is going to be scoring in bunches. That's just 
that's just how it is. So I don't know. I mean, we're nitpicking here. We're nitpicking after the yeah, best absolutely. win, that, the best win that we've seen this team put together this season. And I think that's what's so impressive and so different about this team compared to past Oregon teams, because past Oregon teams, you've relied on the offense to do most things. You've relied on, in 2019, a really good defense to do a lot for you. This team doesn't really have one of those super weak units. You feel great about the offensive line, feel great about the running backs, receivers, defensive line, cornerbacks, linebackers. It's like there's when you're trying to find those little minute details for them to improve, you really got to try very hard. So I think that's what's kind of encouraged me the most. Um, I want to ask you about Bo Nix and the Heisman race because you uh, you're more familiar than this with this than most people in that entire process. Um, Nix after every game now is rightfully so. I think from a media perspective, he's being asked about the Heisman and asked about what it means to him, what it means to his team, how it kind of uh, impacts in his play and, and affects things in his position. I mean, you, you know this cause you experienced this. What is that like? I mean, it, does that ever get annoying, distracting, frustrating that the comments and the questions are always about him and not his team? I mean, he does a really good job credit to Knicks for always deflecting and saying, Hey, this is, I'm, I'm in the conversation because our team is playing at a Heisman level. But you know, what, what was that like for you back when you were playing? It's tough to ignore. I mean, you, you can, you can, you can do your best to ignore it, but I mean, when it is constantly being brought up, I mean, it's, it's virtually impossible to truly ignore it. So what you have to do is you have to, you have to silo it, right? You have to be able to compartmentalize and say, this goes here, this goes here, and this goes here. And this, this over here, this Heisman, is a result of success on the field. And success on the field is a result of preparation during the week. And, ex- you know, and doing the things that, you know, studying and, and putting together the game plan, and ex- you know, doing all the little details. That being said, um, I think anybody would be lying if they told you that being in that conversation isn't exciting, isn't um, a huge honor, you know? And so the key is going to be, you know, how, how does Bo compartmentalize? Mm-hmm. And I think if we're working off his body of work right now, his worst game against Washington, you know, Washington which is, state maybe. Yeah. Uh, two two ninety and two yeah, touchdowns with no picks, you know, yeah. like that's the thing that has that, that I would say, or that is the reason that I would say that he is so, or that he is capable of doing this, that he is in a good <laughs> position to be able to silo that, that Heisman talk, and realize that it's a it a, it is a result of all of the stuff that happens leading up to it. You know, even a guy like you know Michael Penix, right? The week after Oregon game, throws three picks in the first half against Arizona State. <laughs> you know they struggle. Washington struggles against Stanford last week. Like there have been mo- you, you can truly pick out a moment for most quarterbacks in this discussion where you say, Ooh, you know, something, something slipped a little sideways there. I don't know that you can pick out that for Bo. Like he's been so incredibly consistent. He's been so incredibly efficient and at the same time explosive. Like 
he's in, I don't know that I've ever seen a quarterback. And, and I've been trying to think about this because of, you know, hearing Dan Lanning say, Bo Nix is the best quarterback in the country. I don't know that I've seen a quarterback who is in more control of his team and his offense than Bo Nix is right now. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's truly astounding. Just short of 80% completion percentage. You know, I don't know that I completed 80% of my passes in a practice. You know, 20, <laughs> was he 21 picks and one or 21 touchdowns and one interception? Like the, yep. what he is doing, not just in a game or two, but on a week to week basis is as impressive as anybody that I've ever seen. Uh, mm-hmm. no, it may not be as, as, as flashy and ex- as explosive as Marcus was, but it is no less valuable and it is no less worthy of being in this Heisman discussion, which, you know, he very well is and should be. Well, that leads perfectly. I mean, so I wrote about this this morning on Darkswire. His, his Heisman campaign rests mostly on consistency, like you said, rather than flash. I mean, Nick's has only one game with four touchdowns. He has two games with 350 plus yards, but on the same hand, he has no fewer or no games with fewer than 245 yards and no games with fewer than two touchdowns. And like we said, just one interception on the year. You compare that to the other Heisman candidates. Penix has a game with zero touchdowns, two interceptions. He has another game with zero touchdowns. Uh, JJ McCarthy for Michigan has a game with three interceptions. Jordan Travis has a complete a completion percentage uh, close to 51% in one of his games. Uh, LSU's Jaden Daniels. Uh, he's, I think that he's probably the most worthy when you look at his stats, but LSU has the two losses on the year. And we know that one of the prerequisites to winning the Heisman is having a team that's, you know, right there in the mix at the end of the year. So with all that being said, I contend that um, in order for Knicks to really catapult to the top of the Heisman standings, not just be in the mix, not be in the top four, not be in New York in December, but to catapult to the top of the standings. I think he needs one or two explosive games, games where he gets, you know, those three touchdowns, 350 plus yards, four touchdowns, maybe just to show that he can do it. We know that he can be consistent. We know that he does this 250 yards, two touchdowns, like it's nothing every week. But I think it might be smart for them. I don't know if they're going to call a game just so he can get his Heisman stats. I know that's a, a okay. classic thing for fans, but what do you what do you think about that? I think it would help his, his case, obviously. Okay, okay. Pretty sure he's averaging over 300 yards a game right now, correct? 292, I believe. Okay, I guess I guess Ty Thompson has thrown the ball a couple times, right? I was like, Oregon is over yes. 300 yards a game passing. I assumed that yes. that was all both. I think we... Oh God, and now I'm going to stop myself. Because what I was going to say is I think we saw what happens to this Oregon offense when it becomes bow-centric in the first quarter yep. against Washington State. Right? They came out and went pass, 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 punt, pass, pass, punt, pass, pass, punt, pass, pass, punt, and then realized, oh, we got to run the football like we have been. And then went Bucky Irving going crazy. And then Bo said, oh, yeah, now I can do everything. As soon as I said that, I, I realized, well, yeah, but against Utah, they just came out and went pass, 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 touchdown, pass, 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 touchdown. Yeah. Easy. I, I mean, it was <laughs> – it was literally just like on Halloween. Yeah. Just like taking candy from a baby. Yep. 
I think the moment you start game planning for an award is the moment you risk slipping up. Yeah, that's fair. And can you make a decision in a cow game that's hopefully going to be, you know, pretty lopsided near the end of the game? Can you make a decision in the red zone to get him an extra touchdown? Yeah, sure. I think that is probably where you're going to have to see those big, I want to say inflated numbers. Because the rest of the games, USC, Oregon State, or I should say two of the next four games, the whole country is going to get a chance to watch him. And the whole country got a chance to see him against Utah. Right? Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the... I think that's part of why I don't worry about the stats, right? Okay. When, you know, I'll use when I was playing as an example, right? When I was playing and everybody on the East Coast went to bed before they got a chance to see us play. And, you know, I came in at 237 yards and two touchdowns. Like when you're comparing to a Rex Grossman, you see Rex's giant numbers, and it's like, well, okay, I guess the numbers don't. But if you have an opportunity to see somebody play, which the country has on numerous occasions this year, Colorado, Washington, Utah, and they're going to get two more chances to see him against SC and Oregon State. I don't think the difference between 297 and 342 is going to make or break a Heisman for him. Right. If he can go out, I mean, sir, like, if he can go out and lead this team to a Pac-12 championship, complete dang near 80% of his passes, and do it with the entire country watching, um, I, I think that that should be enough for him to, at the very least, be in the room. And I know your question was, what is it going to take for him to win it? But I, I think that mm-hmm. bar, because – you also have to look at who he's being compared to, right? And what happens to those guys down the stretch. Like Penix came out hot, on fire, like incredible, Mr. Everything, and then had t- a couple games where it was a stink fest, right? Mm-hmm. Just be Bo. Like just be you. Like that is the key to all of this is the moment you try to be something other than yourself is the moment that you're going to get yourself in trouble. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and going back to your very first question of like these silos, like compartmentalize, like you can't worry about that. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't game plan for a Heisman. Now, you know, like I said, at the end of the third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter against Cal, you know, hopefully you're up three touchdowns and, you know, you can get them an extra passing touchdown based on play calling. But the moment you start trying to game plan for that is the moment when it falls apart. Well, it's like in the, in the second half of that Utah game, <clears throat> excuse me, that touchdown to Treshawn Holden. If he was half a yard more forward in front of the line of scrimmage, he's got uh, another touchdown pass on the day mm-hmm. and not a, a rushing touchdown for Holden. So it's little, I, I yeah. love your answer. That's an incredible answer. I think that he's in the mix right now. He's in that conversation because he's being Bo. And so far, Bo has been good enough. Um, I think that's... That's a great thing. I don't want him to try to do anything different because you're right. That's that's when you kind of get ahead of your skis and kind of can maybe make mistakes. That's where it comes in. Yeah. And, 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 well, I was going to say, I think I think the big thing is is the entire country is getting a chance to watch him. 
Yeah. Right. right. And, and that's the key is they're getting to see with their own eyes five, six, seven times this year what kind of player he is. And, and that's going to be, I think, the difference at the end of the year. Yeah, we're kind of in an era now where you don't have to just look at numbers. You can, because of, you know, streaming and the ability for everyone to see the games that they want to see, they can see the, the Heisman voters are taking note so far. So um, let's pivot to the college football playoff rankings. They've come out for the first time tonight. I know that the first couple of batches of playoff rankings are largely useless because the, the bulk <laughs> of the season... I mean, college football is played in November. The The biggest games of the year in November, that's especially true in the Pac-12 if you look at the slate. But, um, you know, before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of the rankings, who should be where, I just want to ask you a simple black-and-white question and let you go with it. Who do you think is a better team, Oregon or Washington? When? See, that's a good question. I think right now. Who is a better team right now, today? Oregon or Washington? Oregon. Okay. Ask me the question so, again three weeks ago. That's very true. Even so, even three weeks ago, I may just be stubborn. I probably would have said I thought Oregon was a better team then too. But they, they just lost. had a... They lost. And, they and lost. there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's, that is a fact, right? Washington beat them. That mm-hmm. is a factual thing. This is... Yeah, what was your question was who is a better team, Oregon or Washington? I think I think right now at this point in time, Oregon is, um, and that's based on what we've seen from Washington in the last two weeks and what we've seen from Oregon in the last two weeks since they played each other. Mm-hmm. The key for any team is, you know, just that slow climb until the very end, right? Will every single season you see teams go warrant, warrant, warrant right those hot teams at the at at, you know in september and october they fall off in november right it Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean anything if you're the best team on october 17th right you need to be the best team you need to be the best team on well to get into the playoff on what december 2nd like that and and that's yeah whatever that whatever the day is like and that's what that's what dan lanning has this team doing right they are truly Mm -hmm getting better every single week. Um, you know, if you, if you look at this team against, you know, compare the Texas Tech game to the Utah game. I mean, mm-hmm. it is it is miles apart. Yeah. And I don't know that there has been a game, you know, first quarter against Washington State. Um, mm-hmm. Help me out here, Zach. Like, I can't think of a time where you would say, yeah, Oregon definitely took a step backwards. Yeah. I think Washington State, that's the only time that first quarter. First I, quarter. Maybe the first quarter against Stanford, you just, but that was that was yeah. a little interesting and they, they bounced back so quickly that I don't yeah, true. Really pay it any mind. True, true. And, but I mean, that's, that's the key is, yeah, Washington was a better team three weeks ago. They beat them. If they played yeah. again, which. You know, knock on wood, it looks like they're on a collision course to do so. I, I'd be putting my money on Oregon. I mean, that's and and again, like you take care of that and you find yourself in a in a college football playoff spot. I mean, that's that's the reality mm-hmm. is that even with the loss, as long as Oregon just wins, 
they're going to they're going to find themselves in the puzzle, you know, at the end of the season. So with that being said, I know it's all going to play itself out over the next month. You, uh, Washington has a very tough schedule going forward. They've got USC this week, Oregon State, Utah, and then Washington State for the Apple Cup. Mm-hmm. Oregon has a fairly easier schedule. It's still not super easy. They've got Cal this weekend, USC, Arizona State, Oregon State. Yes, there are some some absolute roadblocks there. So, okay, tell me, tell me, Washington's again. They have the Apple Cup. They have SC. I missed the other two. Washington, Washington this week has USC. Wait, is that this week? Yes, USC, Oregon State, U- Oregon State in Corvallis, Utah, and then Washington State. Oh, okay. And Oregon again has Cal this weekend, USC next weekend. Both those at home. Arizona State on the road, and then Oregon State at home. Do you see anyone? getting in the way of the Washington Oregon rematch. If so, who do you think has the best chance to trip that up? And so for that to happen, I believe Washington would probably need to lose twice because one loss Washington, I think is still getting into the Pac-12 title game. It gets interesting with tiebreakers, but um, I, th- I think that's how it would, how it would be. Well, if yeah, cause I see now has no, cause I see has a out of conference loss. Well, Yes, but then this also, if USC gets through the regular season without another Pac-12 loss, then Oregon doesn't get in because you would assume that they would be Oregon. So good point. Who do I see as this potential stumbling block? Oregon State. I mean, for both teams or for 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 both. I mean, you could uh realistically make the argument that Oregon State is going to be the most difficult game for both teams. You, you, you can. Um, this weekend was was confusing for me. Uh, they did not look good against Arizona, and they had looked so consistent this entire season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know they'd shown that they could win, scoring thirty five, thirty eight points. They'd shown that they could win in a fourteen seven game against Utah. Like this, this Oregon State team. If you asked me last week, I would have said that they would be the most difficult game for either school for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And I still think they could be. I, I think Jonathan Smith is a fantastic mm-hmm. coach and, and he'll get them right after that, after that loss to, to Arizona. Just kick the field goal next time. Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I think kickers can run 27 yards with. Well, I was, you had me for a second. I was like, are you going to defend that call? Oh my gosh, Joey, this is no, going on social. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. That was you know, maybe if they're at the 11 yard line. Sure. But it's a different story. Different story. Um, yeah, but not from there. The one that, and I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because they played some people really tough. They played Washington really tough because Kenny Dillingham is, is, yeah. um, you know, he's home. He's going to want to, he's going to want to do it. Um, because it's the week in between. SC and Oregon state because it's on the road, because it's the end of the season, because it's, it'll be viewed as a take a deep breath game. That one has me nervous. Like that is, that's, that's the one where you look back at the end of the season or you look at the landscape of college football and you, you know, take the top 10 right now. Mm -hmm. I will go ahead and say that six of those teams will lose another game this year. Yeah, probably. In four weeks, I think six of those top ten teams will lose another game. And that is – it happens every single year. And it happens mm-hmm. for 
for this very reason. It's a long season. It's tough to keep your focus for, you know, what has now become 12, 13, 14 games. Um, mm-hmm. That one makes me a little bit nervous. But if I'm, if you're asking me a question about who is the most difficult for both and who presents the biggest challenge, it's Oregon State. Yeah, I agree with you on Arizona State. I think that they are probably the best two-win team in the nation right now. <laughs> Do they have a category for that? I don't. I don't know what that is. I don't know those awards. But I mean, it's just a. I. I was not planning to travel down to Arizona State for that game. I did not go to the Stanford game because I didn't think, all due respect to Stanford, I didn't think that it would be the best use of my time driving down 16 hours with a one-year-old at home with my uh, my wife taking care of her. So I I had made the decision earlier to not travel to Arizona State because it's like, I know there's storylines with Dill- Dillingham. I don't think it's going to be a good game. After they won this weekend against Washington State, I did have the thought, I'm like, well... Maybe I need to look at plane yeah. tickets because that could be an interesting game. I don't, I still haven't decided. I don't think I'm going, but we'll see. Um, yes. Like you said, I think that Oregon state is definitely the biggest roadblock for both teams. I'm very curious to see this weekend, how Washington looks against USC just because they've looked so bad the last couple of weeks. I know that apparently there's reports that Michael Penix has been dealing with an illness and he's finally starting to feel better. We'll see if that matters, but this is a real get right spot for them because USC's defense is so bad. So I want to see if Washington's offense is as good as they were in the first six weeks of the season. Um, I think we'll see it this week against USC. I would, I do see a world where USC wins that game. I mean, they've got a good enough offense. I, I really think it could happen, but you know, I do expect Washington to win that in the end. Yeah, I, I don't think Washington is good enough defensively to shut USC down. I don't think, mm-hmm. um, you know, Utah held them to 31, 34, 32. 32, 32 yeah. to 32 was the final. Yeah, which is about as good as anybody has done. And Washington is mm-hmm. not Utah defensively. I mean, they're not. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be a 56, 55 type of ball game. And, and when you get into those type of shootouts, that's any, anybody can win those. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I'm curious to see if Washington can right the ship because mm-hmm. on this trajectory or the way they played the last two weeks, you could easily see them losing a game in November. Definitely. All right, I'm going to get you out of here with this question. I was talking to some friends about this uh, earlier in the week in a hypothetical world. Oh, I love someone gives you a thousand. I know, aren't they fun? <laughs> hypothetical world. Someone gives you a thousand dollars. You get to either keep the money or you can put it on Oregon plus fourteen hundred to win the national championship, which is the fifth highest odds in the nation. What are you what doing? Is, Do you okay, so hold it? on. Hold on. Let me. I need to Go get some it. clarification here. What does plus fourteen hundred mean? A thousand dollars on plus fourteen hundred odds. That would, if they won the national championship, I believe that would get you fourteen thousand. I don't understand yes, betting odds. Like I, don't, I don't do it. I, I don't do the um, what is it? The Oregon. You could get a fourteen thousand dollar return on that um, on that bet if you did it. So would you pocket the money and spend it on something useful around the house? Or would you take a flyer with some confidence that Oregon in 2023 has what it takes to win the championship? Well, let's see. We got a landscape project going on in the back here in a, in a couple weeks. <laughs> um, 
You'd be I able to do it. that with your knee. I got it. Well, exactly. No. So it's, it's, that's, that's an expense. <laughs> uh, tuition is paid for already this year. Um, I'm putting the money, in. I'm putting the money down and here's why I love it. Here, here's why. Um, in years past, there has been a clearly dominant team, whether it was Georgia the last two years, whether it was Alabama the last, you know, 11 years, like it, it, you have had a team where it's them and the rest. I don't know that you have that this year. I mean, sure. Michigan has given up, you know, five points a game and JJ McCarthy is, is playing really well, but I don't know that you've, you could look at that. Ohio state has looked suspect at times. Yeah. They had a big win against Mm -hmm. Penn state, but Penn state barely squeaked it out against Indiana. Like Georgia always good starting to come into their own. Um, Mm -hmm. Washington, um, you know, I I think Oregon's better than Washington right now. Um, Texas, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma, Alabama starting to play well. Look like you, you can't Louisville. Um, who am I forgetting? Oh, Florida no. State. Florida We're getting State. too far down the list. I know. Florida I, State, I, I, there you go. I was like, Florida State <laughs> is, is the other one there. I, who was their game? I mean, I, I don't know that – I don't know that Florida State has been or necessarily will be truly tested this year. Um, and in that situation, I don't see any reason why – you know, if this was if this was two years, you know, when did Oregon play Georgia? Last year? Last year. Uh, yeah, last year. Last year. Last year. If this was last year, I'd have kept the money. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I, because I That's saw fine. with my eyes what Oregon looked like versus, you know, that top team. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any difference between Oregon and any other of the top five teams in the country right now. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think you have to give a lot of that credit to Tosh LaFoy. Uh, Dan Lanning for, you know, how they've shaped this defense because Oregon has always been able to score points. They've always been able to compete offensively. What they're doing on the defensive side of the ball with talent and scheme is, um, is pretty tremendous. And, and the way that they are starting to build this Oregon defense into those those SEC style defenses, the defenses that truly can compete at the end of November and December and into January. Um, that makes me think that this is a good year that, you know, to put that thousand dollars in and, and what do you say? Bring back 1.4 million on a, isn't, isn't that how it works? Yeah, that's 14 that's million. What it was, put a thousand dollars, get 14 million back. I think <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. I don't think those are the odds. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I think I'm right there with you. I, you know, to be honest, if this hypothetical world existed, I think I probably still keep the money, but it's a really hard decision. And I probably still keep the money because I am a 30 year old father with a one year old at home. And I don't think my wife would allow me to live in the house anymore. If I put down a thousand dollars on a bed, hey, but I, after this last <laughs> I didn't week, want to go I there, really Zach. started considering it. <laughs> I didn't want to go there, but it's hard not to like, come at it from the perspective of somebody who also retired from the NFL at, you know, at your age, (laughs) you know, you're 30 with a one year old. I retired after an eight year career in the NFL at your age. So like that, you know, it's a little bit different, (laughs) a little bit different, but I'd still tax brackets. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, although, you know, the president of a nonprofit doesn't exactly pay through the roof now. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, no, I'd still put the money down, though. I'd still do it. I like it. I love the confidence. And after, I mean, it wasn't until after this Utah game where I really started to think that, like, wow, this, you know, this could be possible. I wrote on Monday, I wrote a column that, you know, Oregon's championship window, I think, is opening. And it's, I think it's opening earlier than a lot of people expected. But, you know, with the the coaching, with the players on the team, with the recruits coming in, I think this championship window, we can enter each year going forward, actually thinking that it's possible. And that's, that's coming earlier than I expected it to. How cool would it be to have a national? Okay, I'm not even gonna. It's a fun question to. Uh, I'm gonna to leave it right there. Sure. I'm gonna leave it right there, <laughs> and um, this team. I think we can say this. While they may not be the flashiest, while they <laughs> may not be the most well, let's just put it that way: they may not be the flashiest team that Oregon has had. <laughs> Come the end of November. If things play out right, I think you could potentially be making the argument that this could be one of the best teams in the history of Oregon football. And and that's saying something. I think so. And it's because of the balance. I mean, like yep. you said, they're not as flashy, but they're, you know, like Lanning has said all we are all uh, all year, they're rooted in substance. They've got a lot of building <laughs> blocks that they're building off of. So um all right, let's let's go ahead and end it right there. Um thank you so much for doing this, Joey. It's been a lot of fun. Um we you've got you've got talking ducks every week on Root, our favorite channel. It comes out on YouTube as well. Uh, you've got your foundation that you're doing. Why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find you and how they can uh, help support what you do? You know, actually, it's great timing. I didn't even think about that. We are launching our um, second annual Bourbon Barrel benefit on Friday. Awesome. Um, nice. So last, Good timing. It is. Yeah. So um, last year, Buffalo Trace Distillery donated a barrel of buffalo trace bourbon to our foundation and we raffle it off uh to raise money for our, our community leadership scholarship this year they donated a bottle uh, a barrel of uh, weller full proof which i got to go out and select again this year and we're raffling it off with a bottle of pappy van winkle 20 year four bottles of the weller full proof single barrel that uh i got to select and uh yeah, that all comes out on, on Friday, hoping to uh, – we hit $65,000 for our scholarship program last year. I'm hoping uh, – wow. I'm hoping uh, – look, I'll, I'll come out and say it. I'm hoping to hit 100000 this year. I mean, I, I, if we can hit $100,000, mm-hmm. we can endow another scholarship, which is which is absolutely incredible. So um, mm-hmm. if, you're a, if you're a bourbon fan, Pappy, Pappy 20 and four bottles of uh, Weller Foolproof Single Berry, a Barrel, if you're not a bourbon fan – um, still buy one anyway, because someone in your, uh, someone in your family surely is. And this isn't, this is something that, uh, you truly can't get anywhere else. So there you go. So where can, where can people go to actually buy, buy some of those, the, the raffle tickets? Harringtonfamilyfoundation.org. Oh yeah. Everything is on online. Uh, I'm not sure if you know, Zach, I'm, I'm now uh, officially a social media influencer. I spend most yes, of my day. On, I've seen um, that's what happens when uh, you have surgery and you lay in bed all day. It's like, somebody <laughs> please talk to me. Yeah, um, that screen time is definitely up, isn't it? Oh my god, I got my I got my alert the other day. It's like, good god. Um, no, I will be pushing that link out live on Friday. Um, it will awesome. be uh, it will be findable uh, on my Twitter yes. and on our uh, well, Family Foundation you know it, web, sure. website. Yeah. So, uh, thank you. I appreciate you the reminder. That's uh, it'll be yeah, a big help. No, absolutely. I. I thank you for coming on as always. It's always a wonderful time talking to you. So we'll, uh, we'll do this again, hopefully 
after the end of the regular season, once we find out those final college football playoffs, and it could be a, a fun show to do. You know where to find me, buddy. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you again to Joey for hopping on, talking to us about the Ducks, about Bo Nix, about the college football playoff rankings. That was a, I think that was a really good podcast. I think that was fitting to be our 50th episode. That was a really good one. Again, like I said up top, we are going to be coming back tomorrow or Thursday. I've got an interview with Gary Stokan, who is the CEO of the Peach Bowl. Um, we're I've got a chance to talk to him. We're going to talk about the college football playoff rankings that come out later today. I really want to just get like an Oregon perspective on all of that and um, see where the Ducks stand right now. I'm assuming they're going to be sixth, uh, maybe seventh in the ranking, probably behind Washington at least, maybe Texas too. We'll see. Uh, but I just want to get his look and his thoughts on that and what Oregon needs to do to to get up in the rankings, obviously keep winning and uh, win the Pac-12 championship and hopefully get in a, a spot in the final four. But that'll come out tomorrow or Thursday morning. That interview is on Wednesday afternoon. So we'll see how quickly I get that edited and up. But um, after that, I will also do a little bit of a preview on the cow game on Saturday, but mostly college football playoff centric. So um, that's what you can look forward to on Wednesday or Thursday. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at ducksWire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy. Mm-hmm.